Chapter Fourteen of Ruth Fielding at Briarwood Hall. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Ruth Fielding at Briarwood Hall or Solving the Campus Mystery by Alice B. Emerson. Chapter Fourteen The Sweetbriars. Mail time until Saturday morning Ruth and Helen had not realized how vital that hour was when the mail bag came out from the Lumberton post office and the mail was distributed by one of the teachers into a series of pigeonholes in a tiny office built into the corridor at the dining room door the mail arrived during the breakfast hour one could get her letters when she came out of the dining room and on this Saturday both Ruth and Helen had letters Miss Cramp, her old teacher, had written to Ruth very kindly. There was a letter, too, from Aunt Alvira, addressed in her old-fashioned hand, and its contents shaky both as to spelling and grammar, but full of love for the girl who was so greatly missed at the Red Mill. Uncle Jabez had even declared the first night that it seemed as though there had been a death in the house with Ruth gone. Helen had several letters, but the one that delighted her most was from her twin brother. Although, she declared, in her usual sweet-tempered manner, Tom's written it to both of us. Listen here, Ruthie. The new cadet at Seven Oaks began his letter. Dear Sweetbriars, including Ruth as well as Helen in his friendly and brotherly effusion. He had been hazed with a vengeance on the first night of his arrival at the academy. He had been chummed on a fellow who had already been half a year at the school and whose sister was a senior at Briarwood. He had learned that lots of the older students at Seven Oaks were acquainted with the seniors at Briarwood, and that there were certain times when the two schools intermingled socially. "'Dear old Tom!' exclaimed Helen. "'Nice of him to call us Sweetbriars, isn't it?' "'I guess there's a good many thorns on this Sweetbriar, eh, Ruthie?' as she hugged and kissed her chum with sudden fierceness. "'And Tom says he can get permission to come over and see me some Saturday afternoon, if Mrs. Tellingham will allow it.' I'll have to get her to write to Major Paradell, who commands at Seven Oaks. My, it sounds just as though poor old Tom was in the army, doesn't it? cried Helen. It will be nice to have him over, said Ruth, agreeing, but I suppose we'll have to meet him in the office, or can we walk out with our brother? And she laughed. We'll go to Triton Lake. Tom will take us, said Helen, decidedly. I guess Mrs. Tellingham will have something to say about that, my dear. Helen seemed to have forgotten the little difficulty that had troubled her chum and herself the night before, and Ruth said nothing further about the infants forming a society of their own. At least she had said nothing about it to Helen. But Sarah Fish and Phyllis Short and some of the other infants seemed determined to keep the idea alive, and they all considered Ruth Fielding a prime mover in the conspiracy. It was noised abroad that neither the F.C.s nor the Upedes were getting many new names enrolled for membership. Saturday morning, the remainder of the expected new girls arrived at Briarwood, and with them came the last of the older scholars, too. There was an assembly called for two o'clock, which Mrs. Tellingham addressed. She welcomed the newcomers, greeted the returning pupils, and briefly sketched the plans for the school year, then beginning. She was a quick, briskly speaking woman, 
who impressed the most rattle-pated girl before her that she meant to be obeyed and that no wild prank would go unpunished proper amusement will be supplied in due time young ladies for the present we shall all have enough to do getting settled into our places i have heard something regarding picnics and outings for the near future postpone all such junketing until we are pulling well together and beware of demerits remember that ten of them for whatever cause will send a girl home from briarwood immediately this about the picnics hit the upedes ruth and helen knew that they were planning just such amusements helen took this interference on mrs tellingham's part quite to heart isn't it mean of her she asked of ruth if it had been the fussy curls who wanted to go to triton lake it would have been another matter and besides i was going to write to tom to see if he couldn't meet us there why helen without asking mrs tellingham cried ruth i suppose tom and some of his chums could happen to go to triton lake the same day we went couldn't they helen asked laughing dear me ruthie don't you begin to act the miss prim please we'll have no fun at all if you do but we don't want to make the bad beginning of getting mrs tellingham and the teachers down on us right at the start said ruth in a worried manner i don't know but that you are a miss prim ejaculated helen ruth thought probably from her tone of voice that helen had heard some of her friends among the upedes already apply that term to her ruth but she said nothing only shook her head however the girl from the red mill did her best to dodge any subject in the future that she thought might cause helen to compare her unfavorably with the girls next door for ruth loved her chum dearly and loved her unselfishly too helen and tom had been so kind to her in the past all through those miserable first weeks of her life at the red mill that ruth felt she could never really be angry with helen it only made her sorrowful to think that perhaps helen in this new and wider school life might drift away from her the regular program of the working days of the school including prayers in the chapel before the girls separated for their various classes these were held at nine o'clock but on sunday ruth found that breakfast was an hour later than usual and that at ten o'clock several wagonettes besides old dolliver's ark were in waiting to take those girls who wished to ride to the churches of the several denominations located in lumberton a teacher or a matron went in each vehicle and if any of the girls preferred to walk in pleasant weather there was always a teacher to walk with them for the distance was only a mile dinner was at half past one and at three there was a sabbath school conducted by mrs tellingham herself assisted by most of the teachers in the large assembly hall at night there was a service of music and a lecture in the chapel too the teacher of music played the organ and there was a small string orchestra made up of the girls themselves and a chorus to lead the singing this service ruth found delightful for she had always loved music and never before had she had the opportunity of studying it under any teacher her voice was sweet and strong however and she had a true ear at the end of the service Miss McEnahay, the organist, came and spoke to her, and advised her that, providing she would give some time to it, there was a chance for her to become a member of the chorus, and, if she showed improvement, she might even join the glee club. On Monday, school began in earnest. Ruth and Helen were side by side in every class. What study one took up, the other voted for. 
The fact that they had to work hard, especially at first, kept Ruth and Helen together, and during the first week neither had much time for any society at all. Between supper and bedtime each evening, they faithfully worked at their lessons for the ensuing day, and every hour of daylight brought its separate duty. There seemed to be little opportunity for idle hands to find mischief at Briarwood Hall. Mrs. Tellingham, however, did not propose that the girls should be so closely confined by their studies that their physical health would be neglected. Those girls who stood well in their classes found at least two hours each day for outdoor play or gym work. The tennis courts at Briarwood were in splendid shape. Helen already was a fair player, but Ruth had never held a racket in her hand until she was introduced to the game by her chum during this first week of school. The girl from the Red Mill was quick and active. She learned the rules of play and proved that her eye was good and that she had judgment before they had played an hour. She knew how to leap and run too, having been country-bred and used to an active life. "'Oh, dear me!' gasped Helen, out of breath. "'You are tireless, Ruth. Why, you'll be an athlete here.' "'This is great fun, Helen,' declared her chum. "'I believe I can learn to play this game.' learn to play gasped helen why all you want is practice to beat tom himself i believe you'll be a crack player ruthie prophesied her friend it was while they were loitering on the tennis courts after the game that sarah fish and phyllis short with a number of the other infants joined them sarah came out bluntly with when are we going to form our club ruth fielding i think we should do it at once i've told both the forwards and the upeeds that i am not in the market I'll guess they'll let me alone now. I think they will, said Helen sharply. At least the uppies won't want you, miss. You seem to know exactly what they do want, said Sarah, good-naturedly. Have you joined them? I intend to, declared Helen. Oh, Helen, ejaculated Ruth. Yes, I am, said Miss Cameron, and I am not going to join any baby society. And so walked off in evidence ill-humour. Therefore the new club was not formed in the number two duet room in the West Dormitory. The infants considered Ruth the prime mover in the club, however, and that evening she was put in the chair to preside at the informal session held in the quartet in the East Dormitory occupied by Sarah Fish and three other infants. She was made, too, a member of the Committee on Organization, which was elected to draw up a constitution and bylaws and was likewise one of the three to wait on Mrs. Tellingham, and gain permission to use one of the small assembly rooms for meetings. And then came up the subject of a name for the society. It was not intended that the club should be only for new scholars, for the new scholars would in time be old scholars, and the company of girls who had gathered in Sarah's room had no great or important motive in their minds regarding the association. Its object was social, and for self-improvement simply. And so let's find a name that doesn't sound bigger than we are, said Sarah. The forward cub sounds very solid and is quite literary, I understand, while those uppies stand for except raising a particular Sam Hill, as my grandmother would say. I don't know. What do you say, Ruth Fielding? It's your idea, and you ought to christen it. I don't know that I ought, Ruth returned. I don't believe in one person doing too much in any society. Give us a name. It won't hurt you if we vote it down urged sarah now ruth had been thinking of a certain name for the new society for some days it had been suggested by tom cameron's letter to helen she was almost afraid to offer it but she did 
Sweetbriars, she said, blushing deeply. Dandy, exclaimed Phyllis Short. Goody good, cried somebody else. We're at Briarwood Hall, and why not Sweetbriars? Good name for initials, too, declared the practical Sarah Fish. Make two words of it, Sweet and Briars, the SBs. Not bad, that, eh? What say? It was unanimous, and so the Sweetbriars were christened. End of chapter 14